I think there's a dramatic <coughs> level of, of imperfect in, in information here in that hmm. these, these people are sold a dream and what they receive is a nightmare. Welcome to this edition of the Mainstream Media Podcast hosted here at Raw News, King's College London's student newspaper. Today, we look at the Qatar World Cup, a tournament of controversy. We examine issues with human rights, FIFA's handling of the bid and possible media hypocrisy. I apologise if this episode is less organised than normal. I've not been able to do my usual preparatory research. With deadlines approaching, I'm running purely on coffee, adrenaline and Christmas cheer. I'm Fintan Hogan, common editor here at Raw, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Mainstream Media. Fintan, let me avoid the question. Let me, let me avoid the question. Their best politician is a previous president. New blood, which mainly looks like Ed Miliband. No, that doing nothing gets nothing done. Your paleoconservative prophet. Are they suffragettes or are they making people suffer? Fade away into neoliberal nothingness. Frankly, there's a good chance that he's going to be like kicked out of the House of Commons. Well, hey, back on the gravy train. That's, yeah. that's not going to happen. They are actively trying to undermine the democratic decision that was made in 2020. We have two of our staff writers on here today with us, and thanks for both of them for joining us. First, we have Ben. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Ben, and it's an absolute pleasure to be back here, Fintan, so thank you for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. And we have Edward for his debut. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you, Fintan, for having me. Yeah, uh, Ed normally writes for our sports section, so catch some of his work over at, our sports, uh, over at the sports bit of our website, and Ben, as ever, is a comment writer through and through. Uh, today, we're discussing the Qatar World Cup, and I think it's best to go back to the very beginning. The bid itself, accepted in 2010, was there any controversy surrounding that in the first instance? Yeah, there was a lot of controversy um, following the entire bid, really, and uh, I think it's been fairly established that it probably shouldn't have gone to Qatar. Uh, the race was between Qatar and the USA. Uh, Qatar ended up winning it. Um, a New York Times, uh, no, uh, the, uh, the Times in Britain, uh, had a 2019 report uh, which stated that Qatar spent around £880 million on that bid, uh, which is an absolutely ridiculous figure. And uh, the majority of that can be. What were these? What were these expenditures on? Yes. <laughs> well, um, so just days uh, before the uh, the actual voting, there was a. Uh, yeah, these are not explicit payments. We can't we can't say anything like that. But there was a four hundred million euro bid from uh, BN Sports, which is Al, Al Jazeera's uh, sports branch, to FIFA for a TV right. Vote. Al Jazeera, which is a Qatari company. Yeah, which is yeah, it's based in Brian in Doha, um, and. That occurred just nine days before the, before the vote, and that's a, a huge, significant amount, amount of money. We now know that 17 out, out of the 22 FIFA exec members that were responsible for Russia 2018 and Qatar 2022 have been um, uh, banned or indicted over wrongdoings, wow. uh, and uh, Sepp Blatter himself, who, who was the head of FIFA at the time, had to resign in 2015. So, Ed, these allegations have been with the tournament from the very start, yeah? Yeah, and they've continued right till uh, the first kick of the ball. And, uh, you know, w- with the depths of the competition now, we've just kicked off the round of 16. Yeah. Um, We're in the middle of the Spain-Morocco match. We so. actually, yes. Yes. And what the score is. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, as I was saying, uh, round of 16 now, we're in the thick of it. And although the football, and there's more content to talk about football-wise, um, the controversies, although they've diluted, they're still prominent. And um, as seen by player protests... Um, presenters um, yeah. giving little mouthpieces um, on the BBC, for example, Gary Lineker, yeah. um, I think Gary Neville on the ITV as well. Um, so such controversies really haven't haven't gone away too much. Um, they're still very prominent. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, so with questions over the bid itself, are these do you think these allegations will, will ever have proper light cast on whether there was any sort of... It's, these allegations of corruption aren't going away. Yeah, they're not going away, but it's incredibly hard to, to sort of prove these things. I mean, uh, there's been other sort of uh, soft power measures used by Qatar. Um, there's sort of foreign policy of what's known as sports washing, which is when a nation hosts events, hosts sport, sports events in order to in, improve the, the image of a nation. And... Um, this first occurred in, two, two, in 2004 with the opening of what's known as the Aspire Academy in Doha. Um, and this, as, as, well, basically, was meant to, well, it's been branded as a humanitarian project, but uh, a lot of people have seen a, a, a different side to it. Qatar is a very small country. Their talent pool is not large. So what the uh, Aspire Academy has done is reached out to lesser developed nations and tried to poach talent from them bring uh, talented kids to, 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 to Qatar, train them up, and then they will then represent Qatar at this World Cup. Uh, 18 out of the 26 players are from the Aspire Academy. So you're talking about this thing, this Aspire Academy back in the early 2000s, this bid being accepted in 2010. Hasn't yeah. FIFA made an attempt to clean itself up since then? And I mean, as you said, loads of, loads of executives have been indicted and whatnot. Surely FIFA's now not this same shady organisation as before? Um, well, with the impeachment of Sepp Blatter in 2015, I think there were there were 15 other um, FIFA officials that were impeached. Um, you could argue, yes, they've sort of cleaned their noses with with that, but uh, there's still massive controversy. You know, the fact that this is still able to go ahead, and yeah. recently Sepp Blatter, ex-president, came out and said it was the wrong decision. And what does that tell you about his view at the time and his feelings towards Qatar at the time? Um, does he think the USA should have held it this year? Probably, but um, it's pretty futile comment from from Sepp Blatter himself, and um, just questioning why he's commented at all when he was the president of FIFA at the time. So, I think I think from an ex-president's point of view, there is still controversy surrounding and yeah. surrounding FIFA and the officials. And and from one ex-president to the president now, Gianni mm. Infantino, his infamous sort of I feel Qatari speech. Um, and the quite sort of hardline crackdown on any sort of, alle- of any sort of controversy or allegations surrounding the tournament. Yeah, there's no smoke without fire. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these people are are still highly highly defensive um, because I think everyone recognises that there was some something dodgy going on. Yeah, we'll work through chronologically in a minute to like the build up to this World Cup and as controversies mounted after yeah. the bid itself. But just. A little bit of context for our listeners who maybe don't follow sport as much. What is sports washing? Something you mentioned earlier, Ben. Can you think of any of the other examples, Ed, of where prominent, maybe Middle Eastern countries have attempted to conduct this? Um, well, I think we said in, in 2019 there was the World Championships, World yeah. Athletics Championships in 2019. And you could argue, yes, it's not as high profile as the World Cup, um, which the final is usually the most watched event of the year. Um, what, what is sports washing? Sorry, would you give us a definition? So, it's, yeah, it's effectively the, the use of. Uh, sports events to improve the image of a country. Um, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar have all got form- Formula One races each year now, which mm-hmm. is another sort of prime example. The World Athletics Championships is another. Um, yeah, these are two almost. If they can demonstrate they, that they can host a tournament, it, it, it makes it distracts from potentially other doings which might mm-hmm. not be. Can you think of any other instances in football? Maybe looking at the Premier League. Newcastle, um, United. Newcastle United with the Saudi takeover, maybe, or yeah. just this year, right? Or just this year, yeah. yeah. Um, last January, January, I think it was, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was. I mean, that is shrouded in controversy because that nearly fell through because of the Saudi 
blockade of Qatar at the mm. time didn't allow it to go through, and now and now it has. Um, so and PSG, Man City as well, similarly. Yeah, yeah so I mean the, the PSG sovereign wealth funds. Yeah, the uh, the PSG is is a really interesting one that was bought for uh, five hundred million euros by the Qatari sovereign wealth fund in two thousand and ten, just before the bid. And it happened. It was it was incredibly in debt. P- PSG was not this amazing team that we know now. Um, Superstars now. Yeah, mm. super, it really is. And um, but and it, but it happened to be President Sarkozy's favourite team. And um, President of France then. President of France, mm. and that won a a, a meeting with um, uh, Emir Al Al son, mm. uh, Michel Platini, who was part of the FIFA Exec Committee, and President Sarkozy himself in which Platini came out of the meeting fully in favour of Qatar and also it led to the creation of Being Sports, that organisation which then gave the €400 million Euros for the TV rights deal just a month later. So it all knitted together, FIFA, UEFA. Is any part of sport clean, Ed? I don't think it is. Right now, um, it's so commercialised. Um, the money, it dep- don't, I don't care where you get your money from. Um, you know, Teams like Liverpool now, I think their owners, FSG, American owners... Um, we're looking to sell to Saudi Arabians, and there's a controversy now. You know, um, would we accept that? Just like Newcastle back in January, do you keep politics out of football? It's hard to because of how financially inclined it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's impossible because the, uh, a huge wealth fund comes in. Fans love it. Yeah, you know, their, hmm. their club gets transformed. Newcastle's a huge team. Mbappe to Newcastle. Mbappe to Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And you know, they were struggling in the relegation zone. They've got a fifty thousand seat stadium. Hmm. You look at Man City. You look at yeah. how they've rejuvenated themselves as this. Champions League regular, Champions League final, semi-final yeah. regular, and who would have thought that their fans 50 years ago, 40 years ago, yeah. even so maybe, 20 years ago. So maybe sports washing works, I mean at least in very instances, <laughs> when we now associate with the Qatari wealth fund, we associate with PSG, the Saudi Arabian wealth fund is Newcastle, it's not actually maybe some of the darker sides of these investments. But I'd like to bring it back to Qatar now. So some of the first controversies after the bid and allegations related to that were over the construction of the stadiums. Qatar is not a football nation. How are they hosting so many games in such a short amount of time, either of you? Uh, Well, they've had to construct, uh, I think they had one stadium. So they've had to construct seven more. one of which is about to be de- about, is. Yeah, about, about, about to be destructed. Yeah, Stadium 976, I think. Yeah. It's Really quite inventive name from the Qataris on that one. Yeah. I think the mater- uh, materials are sustainable um, and they're, I think they're going to ship them off to poorer countries and um, for them to use the materials. Just like I think the shipping containers, yeah. um, that, well, the shipping containers that, uh, that will be used for the accommodation. Um, <laughs> and I think you could argue is that... Are the Qatar officials implementing that to save some grace Again. and save face? <coughs> Sports washing. Sports yes, washing. It all feeds in. Mm. Yeah. Uh, sustainable as well. This oil nation now loves to reuse materials. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they've reused those 200 crates. But more than just the materials, but the labour that was put into this construction, mm. what are the controversies around that? Yes, yeah, so this is uh, what's known as the kafala system, which is the Arabic word for guardianship. Um, Effectively, it, there was uh, a lot of South Asian mig- migrant workers were brought to Qatar. Um, it also occurs in the UAE, Saudi, and Bahrain. Um, they're brought with the promise of you know, jobs and higher wages. Um, but what realistically occurred is that many of these workers were working under a dollar a day. They needed permission by by their employers to change jobs. And of course, we've got that um, horrendous statistic of um, approximately 6,500 workers died, which works out of about 100 a game. And just to put that into context, for the Brazil World Cup, obviously Brazil um, 
not the most developed country in the world. Um, it only saw the death of 10 workers. Wow. And for the 2012 Olympics in, in London, only saw the death of one worker. Where, uh, sorry, where did you get that statistic from, Ben? Uh, that was The Guardian. The 6,000 workers yeah. is from The Guardian. But surely this kafala system, maybe it's there's elements of malpractice <coughs> in it from individual employers, but surely if it does bring people over from very impoverished families and countries, to bring them over, gives them a wage that for in relation to what they would have earned in their own country is high, and maybe there are... Of course, it's horrendous that anyone should lose their life in the construction of a sports event. But maybe for the vast majority of workers, this is actually improves their quality of life and improves their rights. I think there's a dramatic <coughs> level of uh, imperfect in, in information here in that hmm. these, these people are sold a dream and what they receive is a nightmare. Um. I mean, yeah, like I said, between 2012 and 2013, um, this was a report commissioned by the Qatari government which deduced that 964 migrant workers from India, Nepal, Bangladesh, um, and Sri Lankan, Sri Lanka, and sorry, the Philippines uh, were, all, were all killed in construction. And yes, we could argue they were sold a dream, but if they end up dead, then... Yeah, obviously, if anyone loses their, their, their life, life it's then, a, yeah. It's a tragedy. Um, FIFA has attempted to redress this, though, to some extent. There's some sort of... I'm not an expert on this, but some sort of remuneration and compensation yes. attempt, no? Uh, yes, there is... Um, so sort of pressure by FIFA led to uh, a first ever Qatari minimum wage was, in, was introduced in 2019 um, and also the, the, the permission to change jobs that was um, removed also, also in, in 2019. Uh, the Qatari government themselves say that 200,000 workers have benefited from that. Hmm. Um, Which means that 200,000 workers were suffering from it before. Yes. Uh, more, yes, more than that. And, and also the, the statistic has been you know, there the, is questions around the context around that hmm. stat. Now, Ed, is this enough from FIFA? I think so. Well, it's hard to say. Is there any more they could do? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're not. They're not the UN. This is mm, uh, this is a football organisation, <coughs> and you go, yeah, they should just stick to football. Yeah, wow, well, difficult to do. So, um, migrant workers have been treated very poorly, as we've discussed in the run to the event. But there's also controversies around Qatar as a country altogether. Um, one of the most prominent issues since the World Cup has started has been the treatment of um, homosexuals in the, in Qatar in general, not just related to this World Cup. Um, some teams tried to take a stance against this and some yeah. sort of awareness attempt. Mm. Uh, we can argue about the ethics of the, making the attempt in a minute, but how has FIFA reacted to these sort of attempts to give voice to these concerns? Not well. Not well at, at all. Um, You've had the Infantino speech, yeah. which clearly highlighted issues within FIFA and their stance on it. I mean, yeah, I mean, th that speech before the World Cup was almost setting the tone that we're not yeah. going to take lightly to this. And of course, there's been a lot of pressure on uh, Kane, well, both Kane and Bale, so the captains of, uh, mm. of England and Wales were going to wear a... Uh, a rainbow uh, armband. The one love, yeah, support armband. So what, what, was this, what is this armband and what does so it uh, yeah, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a one love, it's, a, it's an LGBT flag on it. Um, and it, yeah, it, it's in support and, and unity with the LGBTQ uh, plus community. Mm. Um, but they received a lot of pressure that they would be instantly yellow carded, mm -hmm. uh, which is quite serious, really, because, I mean, captain, especially for Bale, who's mm. Wales' best player. You could argue Kane as well. Yeah, you can't have a yellow card. I mean, they walk on the pitch. Um, so that's become really. Yeah, I think more than the yellow card in the one match. I think if they if they'd worn the armband for the first two matches, they would have been banned for the third. Oh wow! Well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. So that obviously, too, yeah. so the two if you get two yellow cards in the group stage yeah, up to the last sixteen, then you're banned for the next match. So essentially, they were saying, Kane, if you wear this, not only yeah. will you be walking the tightrope in the first two games, but you won't be able to wear the third. Hmm. Was this appropriate by FIFA? I think they saw it as provocative, um, which part of me understands. 
However, with the Western media, especially teams like England, I think there were nine teams that were going to implement the rainbow armband, and none of the major teams uh, across Europe. Um, they obviously wanted to set the tone. I think Alex Scott um, ended up wearing the armband for the BBC instead, um, upon hearing that Harry Kane wasn't. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure she suffered any punishment for that, but uh, yeah, I think the Qatar short is provocative and just like uh, fans entering the stadiums wearing LGBTQ rainbow shirts, you know, is that provocative or is it sending a message? I mean, the one thing that I just I, I want I want to say on this is, and it's been it's been echoed quite a bit, is that if you're going if you're going to host an international sporting event like this. Then you're going to have to expect that the whole world is going to is, is going to turn up to it, and that and that includes people of of all sexualities, of all, of, of all genders, and that and therefore it, you have to be willing to accept that, or else don't host an event like this. Mm. Would we be tolerant of all people coming to the UK and displaying their political messages? I think there is a difference in standing in, in unity with a. Um, a marginalised community and and then bringing certain views which could incite violence, if that's what you're referring to, mm-hmm. sort of views that we wouldn't find acceptable here, they lead to people being hurt. Isn't this some kind of exceptionalist standard of we're right, you're wrong? Do we not run this risk, Ed? Possibly. I mean, with regarding the LGBTQ+, um, obviously we're in 2022 now, and the UK as a whole, we know where we stand on it, we're very accepting. And we, we, we also have to accept that other countries haven't quite reached the level that we are yet. Um, and I don't think we should look down at them because, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, even 10 years ago, that was us. So, um, And we're not completely clean. There's still um, homophobic still not, chanting and the like. There is, especially in football. So, um, yeah, I think obviously we'd be, we'd be way more tolerant, but um, we have to accept that this is, this is Qatar. They were hosting it and we have to respect their laws. I do feel like there is a level of merit potentially to the argument that <coughs> a lot of people are saying that if you're going to expand the game, then we can't keep it in our sort of Western nursery of. of, of, of I mean, of it's tolerant called nations. the World Cup. You know, it's there for everyone. Yeah. Um, we can't just otherwise we could just have it as the Western Cup. Or, yeah. but I mean, that, I I think that football hopefully by shining this has not been the, the desired effect for Qatar, and hopefully football has shined shone the light enough to, ed- to educate people and maybe even force for a, a little bit of change. Ed, you've talked about respecting their rules. They've hosted mm-hmm. the country. We've, we've, no matter what the procedure was, FIFA has chosen this as the host. Do you think that the protest by the German national team, where they covered their mouths during the team photo, and the Danish national team, or the kit provider of the Danish national team, which had a completely blacked out kit, mm-hmm. in order to, to... They didn't want to be associated with the World Cup. Do you think these are appropriate, or are these too far? Are these imposing our standards on the World Cup? I think... So you've got the kit, uh, kit supplier Hummel for uh, for, da- for the Danish national team, and then you've got the German players obviously covering their mouths for the team photo. And suggesting they've been silenced, sorry. Suggesting they've been silenced, uh, lack of freedom of speech. And I think if you look at these two in isolation, one of which was clearly implemented by the players or the management staff in the German national team, and the other was run by a kit supplier, and it must have been approved by the Danish FA. Um, and it, it gives very much sort of a vibe that if you're going to go there, you're going to make a stand against it. And make it similar to the One Love Armband. You're still there, you're still representing your country, you're still pl- participating in the tournament. Is that a, a chance? And is that, a, yeah, is that a chance to to provide an opposing view for a tournament that you're, that you're playing so in? Do you think it was a suitable form of protest? Was it provocative? Was it, was it, did it incite violence? I don't think so. 
I'm not. I don't know. I think. I think Eden Hazard from from Belgium came out and said, "Look, the German team were too focused on, on their, on their, um, on their opposing beliefs and, you know, covering their mouths and, and protesting, and they should have just focused on the football. And that's at the end of the day, that's what they're there to do. They're, they're paid to go to the competition and play football. Um, and we should leave the rest. We should leave the politics. We should leave the, the messages to the people surrounding that. I think. For what it's worth, I think the argument that people." making one political message at the start of the match changes their performance. I think that argument is ridiculous, personally. I think it's ridiculous I, as well. Ben, do you think these forms of protests were appropriate? I'm, I'm going to kind of say, yeah, I think they were. I think that an, an, a football team, a group, a group of, of individuals has got a right to to protest for, for, for their beliefs in a, in a peaceful, and um, I think it was still a, a fairly respectable manner. I mean, this, um, and I think we need to say that this is not the only form of protest at, at, at this World Cup. Football is forever used as a... Um, it, it's a huge stage uh, if you want to put um, your views if you want to use that that, that platform to further uh, views that you think are, are, are positive then, then fair enough and we saw that with the uh, with the Iranian football team and, that, and mm. I mean that's provided a lot of hope to people in Iran um, the context of this is that all 11 yeah. football players that were lined up for Iran at the start had did not participate in the singing of the national anthem and there was yeah. a large amount of booing in the stadium as the national anthem was played we think that was probably booing towards the national anthem, not booing towards the players for not singing it. Yeah. So this is taken as a symbol of support for the protesters who are rebelling against Iran's so-called morality police for their draconian enforcement of uh, laws that we would think are unacceptable here. Sorry, yeah. just the context. Yeah, and again, I think look, if, you, if you're going to host a World Cup, this is what football. This, this is you know, stuff like this happens all the time in football, and again, you're going to have to expect this is going to happen. This is what hap- this is part of hosting a World Cup. Teams will come on and bring and bring messages. Um, so, what do you say to those who say football? We should keep politics out of football. Is that even possible? I think I don't think it's possible at all, especially world football. Mm. What about the um, taking the knee before Premier League matches? Again, it's it, it, it's individual choice and um, it's, the, it's their freedom of expression. I think certain players like Wilfred Zaha from Crystal Palace, who no longer takes the knee because he says it's more of a, it's less of a movement now. It's become too, too mainstream. It's not about Black Lives Matter anymore. It's about just taking the knee for the sake of it. Um, and I think, I mean, we've been, we're still taking the knee in Premier League games now. We have done since uh, I think June 2020, yeah. um, and it's an ongoing thing. And yeah, sport could be used to to fight racism and fight other aspects of um, of prejudice. But I think in the end, a lot of people watch football. It's a world stage, especially the World Cup. Like I said, the the final will probably be the most watched event of the year. Yeah. Will something happen in the final? Do you reckon a British a if if, K- if England gets the final, do you think Kane would wear the armband? Do you hope he would? Even if it ended up with it as an England fan, which I presume both of you I, are, yeah. I would have loved to have seen both Kane and Bale in that final game get, get yellow carded together. I think that would have been a pretty good yeah. image. But I think that the final, they'll they'll crack down. They'll do. I don't think it'll happen because they'll say to the FA something that will involve Kane getting sent mm-hmm. off or something like that. And at that point, is that worth sacrifice? I think the football fan and me, if Kane was was to get bucked early on and then. Got a yellow in extra time and missed a penalty. <laughs> no, was, wasn't on the pitch to take a penalty. Then, yeah. I think it would go down to history as politics taking over the game. Is that not a trade-off worth making? Maybe, but uh, I don't know how many people watched the World Cup final. Maybe one of you could look it up. Who? How many people looked up that watched the last World Cup final? Almost but just the photo of the World Cup final, the full stadium. Harry came with the armband and the referee yellow card him. Would that not be like a powerful image that would transcend football? 
It'd be extremely powerful, yeah. But I don't think anyone would do it. You you, you would, would you not do it if you were Kane? Difficult, impossible question. Of course. <laughs> it's impossible, but I'm nowhere near as good enough at football. So. Yeah. We're just for context: three point five seven two billion people wow. watched the last World Cup final. So that's half the world. pretty much, yeah. And um, so half the world get to see it. Isn't that not worth a yellow card? <sighs> it's a difficult question because it's an impossible question. I think. Sorry, I think. I think. If you, I think. Question. Look, the England fan of me is saying if it was Kane, then no. However, if it was. Uh, Hugo Lloris for France, for example, then mm. then maybe, but that's bias, bias. Should they give Jordan Pickford the armband? Get him have the. Uh, <laughs> he's famously level-headed. Whenever he gets there, we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe maybe that would be something that England would consider. The there we go. Yeah. Save us all. <laughs> Sub him off in the first minute. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Let's go back to. Uh, we've we've both said, well, all three of us have said that there are some elements that we need to be respectful of the culture of this nation that's invited football fans all across the world in. But there are some elements of uh, there'd be some elements of the game which have been maybe hypocritical so there's been a beer ban um, announced I think two days before the start of the World Cup mm. and Budweiser had a big joint sponsorship I think even the Man of the Match Awards is still sponsored by Budweiser but yeah. there's no alcohol allowed in the stadiums um, for the most part in the country yeah. except for where Ben those in the VIP box which I think is selling for approximately 19,000 19,000 so um, that's a London priced pint <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> which goes to the nice templates down the road <laughs> um, but yeah I mean, it's, 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 I mean it's, the hypocrisy is, is, is quite amazing really the um, strict religious nation but it can be bypassed for the right price hmm. yeah uh, you know someone in the one of those boxes? I do. I've got a friend who will uh, remain nameless who <laughs> has been invited um, by the Ministry of Qatar um, and he has a, a corporate box and he is wined and dined and he has to pay, yeah, I think it, the total would come to £19,000, um, but it's paid for him. Um, but he, yeah, free alcohol um, right. for, the, for both matches he's attending um, because his father is one of the friends with uh, a Qatari official. It's not just undermine, I understand some of the, um, maybe the ban in the, in the stadium if it was either enforced for the whole stadium not with mm. this exception and was told maybe in 2010 when they went for pitch the World yeah. Cup rather than two days before I would think that we get the cultural relativism of that but is it not just hypocritical to not launch it two days before in some situations? Oh, it's, it's created this absolutely ridiculous scenario um, and, and, and Budweiser have taken the PR op- opportunity to basically say that now £76 million pounds worth of beer will go to the winning nation because <laughs> it's all there and wow! All, it's already been supplied. It was already in the bars, and uh, and now it's all going to waste. So apparently, yes, it, uh, the the winning nation will get it. Wow. Um, I, hope it I hope it is coming home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, well, it, I didn't. I had no idea that was. It's created. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's an absolute. It's, it's quite to London now. I think that they've dropped off in is preparation. It? Yeah, oh, brilliant. Yeah. Just keep it there then. <laughs> Crates in London. Nah, it's yeah. never, just send it straight to Rio. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Controversial. Yeah. yeah. Um, just sort of going back to the. Um, Point on the um, should we stand with the armband? I know it's a bit um, a bit annoying to go back here, but I just thought I, I, I would say one thing is that potentially the stance could with a player getting sent off because of the armband, it could be pro- pro- problematic that many football fans may then blame the gay community for a, uh, a a loss of a good player, and that could actually not have the desired effect, but in fact a a, a worse effect. Yeah, there could be a, a backlash to that. Yeah. Surely by mainly by people that were small-minded anyway no? I don't I'm think sorry. I wouldn't yeah. could blame maybe but those small-minded minority are very loud on mm. social media especially in football stadiums yeah yeah, that's fair enough um, I would like to we've sort of touched on this sort of relativism before but are the press not somewhat hypocritical if you look at examples of the Russian World Cup we now have a fairly 
overwhelmingly negative attitude of Russia since the invasion of Ukraine, of course, and things have changed since 2018 when they hosted the World Cup. But the World Athletics Championship were held in Doha, as you mentioned before, only three years ago. The Chinese Winter Olympics in 2020. Surely sport is just constantly being hosted in locations which have problematic human rights records, and maybe it's a part of an intrinsic Islamophobia as a lot of the allegations towards the media that we're really highlighting it now because it's like a it's an Arab country rather than like a be a Western oriented one. Hmm. Is that not fair? Well, I've got some stats here, and uh, according to The Guardian, um, since FIFA's declaration for Qatar winning the World Cup bid in 2010, um, UK papers have named Qatar approximately, I think it's 1,735 times in their headlines, um, 40% of which explicitly concern the World Cup, so uh, I think 685 of those. Um, and of that, of that coverage, um, of those, out of those 685 uh, articles, 66% were critical, 29% were neutral, <coughs> and 5% were positive. And I think that just that speaks volumes. Um, and would this be the case, um, for example, back in back in China in 2008 for the uh, for the Olympics? Um, and especially, I think in 2002, the UK were, were about to hold the the Commonwealth Games, and it was amidst the uh, foot and mouth crisis. And we shot, I think, it was six million cows. That might be wrong. Um, exactly. And um, to the, the, the two things were obviously mutual, uh, not, nothing to do. They were completely exclusive. However, um, recently, someone in Qatar has shot 29 dogs, and that's been lumped in the same headline, um, associating it to the World Cup. And I just think that also speaks volumes about the Western media hypocrisy and, and how, you were right, maybe, it, maybe it's because it's purely an Arab country and there's a form of Islamophobia. And, yeah, something that was brought up on the the Rest is Politics podcast, which has got massive recently, which some of you may listen to. Um, I think Rory Stewart mentioned that if it was hosted in an African country with these same sort of rules, maybe we'd have a different view of it. Maybe we'd label them developing and say it's just a matter of time. But maybe because it's an Arab country and they're seen as, quote, developed, um, we'd treat them very differently. Uh, it's, it's sort of interesting stat that was a quarter of nations that got to the World Cup finals have repressive laws around yeah. homosexual communities. Are we not just at risk of... Would we not treat them differently if they were developing? Is it, is, do you think that's fair, Ben? I think the the diff- I think the, I think what's promoting a lot of, or, or prompting a lot of this is the um, is is sort of the Western the, the power that a lot of these Middle Eastern nations have over the Western countries. In that, I think in in the West there is a bit of distrust around these nations, and so they control our oil supply. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think there's that. I think there's a weird dynamic there. Um, so like, it I is mean, feeding into a larger narrative of yeah, mistrust. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it's it's definitely geopolitical. Um, I, I think with yeah with developing nations, I think yeah if that argument, I, I don't think it would be as big. Yeah, I don't think it would be as big. And uh, but I think that maybe in a developing nation, that nation could become more malleable and maybe might try to reform mm. a bit more. I think that the Qataris have also not have been very staunch in not reforming. Maybe quite the nations. opposite. Yeah. yeah, a lot of the pushback to this, people like Piers Morgan, uh, has been saying that oh, we're just imposing our attitudes on them and it's not fair. But maybe you could take the argument the other way and say, actually, what's happening with this Qatar World Cup is we're now doing the right thing. We're now pointing out all of the violations, whereas before we turned a blind eye to it. The next World Cup is going to be similar scrutiny because there's now a precedent of it. Could you not take it the other way and say, we're finally doing it right, not now we're finally doing it wrong? Qatar have hosted the World Cup to shine a light on on Qatar. And the light has been shone, and it has revealed Hmm. stuff that they didn't want to reveal. But Mm -hmm. again... They chose to host the World Cup. They chose to have all of this press scrutiny. And what are we going to do? Control the press. I think that they... 
it's really backfired from them. Mm. But, uh, you know, we're going to the USA, Me- Mexico and Canada, and I hope that in the next World Cup we do bring up why are three huge nations hosting this when teams are going to be flying around in aeroplanes the entire time with this climate agenda and I hope that we do get to bring that up because again that's another massive issue Similar, do you think we should keep this level of scrutiny on every country? Um, It depends I mean look we go back to Russia and obviously massive political issues in Russia at the time in 2018 Um, and there was nowhere near the amount of backlash as there is for this going back to your point maybe about um, Islamophobia however the World Cup is a sporting tournament. You know, it's not a, it's not a, a chance to... It shouldn't be political, in my opinion. Um, we're there to go and watch our favourite players play football. Um, that's why people pay the big money. That's why people will fly all over the world to go and watch them. Yeah. Um, and I think they should just go there and, to enjoy it. And, yeah, you could argue, yes, Qatar did invite the world to their country. And they have to accept that, no matter what uh, criticisms they, they face. Um, but from, from what I've heard so far... Um, Travelling fans have quite enjoyed Qatar. Um, yes, there's been the odd backlash, but I think heading into the tournament, uh, we were expecting a much higher report of backlash from fans than we've actually received. So, so arguably, has this been a very successful World Cup? These Some countries have been able to make a political stand. Those who travel to Qatar have found a generally safe atmosphere, and maybe stadiums are more hospitable environments without the alcohol ban. Could you not argue this is a success? Yeah, I mean, look, the World Cup has run very smoothly. So, so far. So far, so far, so far very smoothly. Um, the knockout rounds are when it gets a little bit more... It's, it, that's a, a far bigger stage, and that's mm-hmm. where we do maybe start to see some protests. But, mm-hmm. look, I, I'm saying it's smoothly because that's what we've been told, and that's what we're seeing. I, I would like to add the caveat that potentially, if anything was not as smooth, we wouldn't see it. Um, if they, But, no, but yeah, it's run well. Uh, people have been able to protest. There's not been a huge scandal. Um, there was one, I think, Italian football fan who ran onto the pitch with about three political messages on him, and yeah. he Ukraine said, was one of them, "He yeah. said, yeah, Ukraine. I think uh, Iran and a gay, a gay uh, LGBTQ yeah. plus flag." And he said that he was released by Qatari police without yeah. facing punishment. Look, I think the scrutiny is, has done one thing here: is that they cannot get away with. If there's anything, like, like, like if he'd gone to a Qatari jail and got beaten up or something, like they couldn't get away with that. Hmm. So I think that. Maybe not because Qatar has made it, but because they have to. But it is a quite safe environment. So there's now a reform of the minimum wage. Gay rights have not been a, have had a light shone on them at the very least. Could you argue? Yes, there was a massive bribe paid in it, but actually, money well spent for the world to reform it somewhat. Or are these reforms going to disappear as soon as we leave? I mean, look, like you said, once that once that spotlight's off Qatar, which it will be um, in the next couple of weeks. Will we all think the same? Will we forget it? Will we look back purely looking at the games and the football instead of the political messages? Um, and will we will we take a stance against Qatar and want them to reform even more heading forward when there are, when there isn't the world's leading sports event being played there or the you know aside from the Olympics? Um, like you said, the, uh, the World Athletics Championships were in Doha in twenty nineteen and and there was no call for reform then. So why should there be now? Even now, it's been a really really good. It's been a great World Cup. Like objectively, the, the football has been great. There's been some good ups. There's been some great upsets, and even now, because of that, England are going through to, through to the quarters. People are starting to talk about it less hmm. and focus on the on the football more, which you know is arguably because there's, it's there's good more content now. It's, it's, it's great that we're finding enjoyment in this awful environment that FIFA have created. But yes, the conversations have, have already lessened and uh, probably will continue to do so. I think it was expected heading into the World Cup that. Um, I think the height of the political climate surrounding it was 
just you know a couple of weeks prior to it, which it's bound to be. Um, but once you put some content in there, you know the games are playing. People, there's, of course, the political side is going to be diluted, which it has been. And then get past the final on December twentieth. Um, will that still be the case, or will we just? There's no more content to the World Cup.